How's it going, everybody? Welcome back to the Emergency Nine Golf Podcast. McLean Boyd is here with me, back after missing last week. Jay Woodson is with us as well, and I am Mike Maroney. Happy to have everyone back. Gents, how are you guys? Good. One of my last few beautiful nights down here in South Florida. I'm gonna, I'm gonna miss it. I've got about 30 days left. I'm sitting outside listening to the uh, to the crickets. But it's I all hope- right. I can't wait for it to be snowy and icy in the winter. I'm I gonna cannot be so wait. Pissed off. I'm going to be so pissed off. It's going to be awesome. I can't wait to remind you. <laughs> you gave us I so think, much I guess crap. I kind of deserve it. Yeah, I guess I kind of deserve it. <laughs> you know. Uh, uh, Nash- Nashville weather is pretty similar to similar to Richmond. So we'll we'll be on the same same kind of level here. Yeah. Yeah, the summer will be nice and hot and humid. You'll love that. And then. Um, you'll get some you'll get some snow in Nashville, I think. You have an ocean oh, yeah. breeze. Yeah. Oh no, yeah. wait. Sorry, you got you're getting away from the ocean breeze. That's right. That's right. Yeah, that's all right. That's all right. It'll be good though. It'll be good. <laughs> um worst places you, to live in Nashville. Correct. There yeah. are. Yes. Um boys, what are you drinking? Um you know, I, dip I, me I, every yeah. week. I mean, we know I'm drinking Corona Light. All right. Jay, what are you drinking? I'm drinking um Bourbon. Wow. <laughs> no, I'm, you've yeah. really dumbed this down. Ricky's in yeah. your head. <laughs> Ricky's in my head, and people, these listeners don't know who Ricky no is. Ricky, Ricky is one of my really close friends. He was my one of my instructors for the longest time, and is a good friend. And he sent me a message, said he loved listening to the podcast, except when I talk about uh, bourbon. Um, <laughs> But anyway, I, there are I do have some friends that do like to hear what I'm drinking, and I am drinking. Uh, it's kind of been my go-to as of late is 1792 small batch, nothing crazy, but it's just super sweet. Not super sweet. It's super easy to drink, and it's got a little bit of sweetness to it. It's smooth. So there you go. You can find it nice. everywhere. I am. Uh, I'm, I got something new. I got a new gift. New gift. I'm drinking Brothers Bond. What mm. the fuck is that glass? It's a snifter. Oh dear God! Pinky's up, bro. Pinky's up. There you go, Jack. Unbelievable. Here we are. We have we have evolved. It's I, like I, I mentioned this before. It's tough because my nose is so big. <laughs> I gotta go. You know, it's like drinking out of a champagne glass. I gotta tip my head way back in order to get some. <laughs> <laughs> like Matt Damon in Ocean's Twelve. Yeah, it's like I can't really figure 13, it all out. Whichever one it is, um, it's fantastic. Yeah, Brothers Bond. Uh, I had never heard of it. It's now being carried here in Virginia. Uh, newer bourbon. It's like very highly rated. It won all kinds of awards, and it's, yeah, it's pretty good. It's, it's good. It's it's very. It's only eighty proof, so it's just really easy. Um, really easy to drink and smooth, and with a little sweetness. It actually kind of reminds me a little bit of 1792. Yeah. Um. So yeah, it's, it's very good. I highly recommend it. Get on it. It reminds me of the Chronolite I just finished, and the one I'm getting ready to open. <laughs> very smooth and easy to drink. Very much so. Though when we were up in uh, we were up in Nashville house hunting, and I did grab a craft beer and. Tori was giving me uh giving me all kinds of crap. She's like, so what? You're gonna leave Florida, you're gonna abandon Corona Light, you're gonna turn into a craft beer drinker. Is this is this really happening? <laughs> maybe. Maybe, maybe was correct. Don't, exactly what don't I was judge me. Yes, maybe exactly I do want craft saying. beer. It's a new chapter in your life. You guys well, hold, on, hold on, just so you guys know though. Just so I, I want to keep it, you know, 100 here on the podcast. Um I did get a low, it was a local brewery's Mexican lager. So I didn't, Jeez, I didn't well, you're really, you're really stretching here. I did. Really I did. Williamson County's finest. It was Williamson County's finest. Pretty solid, you know, little, little hot. I mean, can, can so, a lager, can a lager be a craft beer? I mean, I don't know if it can. Like a lager is like, know. is like a lager. It's like, it came it's in, like, it, it came in one of those silver cans with the sticker. You know, I looked really, really evolved drinking it. You look trendy. <laughs> I did. I look super trendy. <laughs> so, but that, you know, we, we will see what happens, you know, when, when we get on here in mid to late June and, you know, po- potentially 
uh, it does change to where I, I will not have cold and gold in my hand. You know, we don't know where this thing's going to take us yet. You know, we're at the infant stages. I'm on the edge of my seat already. Oh, you wait. It's going to get better. Uh, let's talk a little G. Let's talk a little G. We had our most recent designated event, the Wells Fargo Championship at Quail Hollow. Of course, that's very, very familiar to everyone. It's been hosting the tournament for quite a while. President's Cup was just there a handful of months ago in September. And Wyndham Clark gets it done. Thoughts? It's his. I, I couldn't believe this. It was his first ever professional win. He has never won a golf tournament as a professional. Mini tours, nothing. Good wow. place to start. Good place to start. You know, I, I got to say, and you know, I did pick him on my DraftKings uh, team this week, and he's one of those guys that, to me, it really did – his game really did line up for that course. You know, the guy does hit it a mile. Um, you know, he's pretty solid around the greens. And at the end of the day, I – it's way too early to try to call him a horse for a course, but as far as someone's game, I thought really did line up well for that course, you know, him, a guy like Cameron young, um, obviously Rory who did not play well, but at the same time, you know, there's, there's guys that were going to play well at quail hollow. And he just, he had one of those games, I think certainly fit that piece of property and good for him. I mean, you know, from what I, from what I hear, you know, he's a really good dude. Um, I have some guys that work for my former company that, um, we're friends with him and spent some time with him. And ultimately from what I want to understand, he, he's just a lot of fun, really good guy to be around. Um, so, you know, he's one of those guys that I think um, has could potentially have a pretty high ceiling. You know, he's been very competitive for the last year. He's really been playing some good golf. When he first came on the stage, he was, he played well early. Then he had kind of a lull. And over the last 12 months, he's really started to pick it up, really gotten his confidence back. And it looks like he's someone who, you know, we can start really looking towards to be competitive week in and week out. So especially on, especially on a track that, you know, the bomber is going to be favored, um, which is obviously a lot of them out on the PGA Tour these days. But um, at the end of the day, I think this could potentially, you know, give him some of that confidence that he's been looking for and really kind of um, offer that opportunity for him to, start to elevate his game into that next level, start to really cement himself and who he is on the PGA tour and get comfortable in his own shoes. You know, what you were saying without ever winning before it's tough to kind of break through that first time. But the fact that he did on such a big stage with such a, a good field, um, I think is going to give him a lot of confidence moving forward. And, you know, a lot of times we will see guys get that first win and, um, you know, there's kind of two ways that it goes. They either start really playing some good golf, really starting to create a legacy for themselves, or the pressure gets to them and they kind of fall off. So, you know, time will tell with what he's going to do with it. But ultimately, I look for him to continue it. You know, it wasn't a flash in the pan. Like I said, he's been playing some good golf. So my my thoughts are that we're going to see more out of him. Yeah, I mean, he's been playing his ass off um, for quite a while now, in all honesty. But even... Just since the Valspar, now he wasn't in the Masters. He did not qualify for the Masters, which was kind of surprising to me as I'm looking back on his results here because he has had a pretty good you know, eight months or so. But since Valspar, he's played in one, two, three, four, five, six events. He's been the top 30 in all of them, top 25 in five, and now the top six in four of the last six events. So he's, he's golfing his ball in, in a few different kind of venues as well. So, um, yeah, he is. I think he's like top 10 in driving distance uh, on tour. So he is quite the bomber. Oh, he but, smoked it. He, he he catches it in the heel at 181. Yeah. And so, yeah, it was good to see. I mean, I've always, you know, kind of liked when I know a couple of years ago, he was really struggling with his putting. Um, it seemed like every time I watched him play, he had a different putter. He had, I think he had messed around with a, you know, quasi arm lock, long putter kind of thing at one point and all kinds of different things. So it seems like he's got that figured out. I mean, he's right now he's he's top 60 in putting, you know. So with a guy that that hits it pretty pretty solid and is that long off the tee, like we've said on this, you just be above average in your putting, you're going to have some pretty solid results. That's exactly right. I mean, I, his, I was just watching some uh... – in some clips of his uh, his swing, I mean, the, if you look at it technically, it is. I mean, it's a really, really good golf good. swing. 
Yeah, I mean, really good. He, um, I mean, it, I'm surprised that he's not he's he's not higher ranked. You know, you know, strokes gain approach to the ground. I know he hits it long, uh, but for as long as he hits it, and I, I would think that he would he would his stats would be a little higher. I mean, he's twenty, uh, but twenty third strokes gain approach to green. I think that after this past week, that that certainly jumped up quite a bit from what it was early. In that he wasn't wasn't quite as high, but yeah, I mean, it's just a matter of time before he. I mean, that's a it's a really really good golf swing. Um, just technically, it's on point. I think maybe he just needed a uh, a tournament like this, you know, to get uh, to get the you know, you know rip the seal off there. Well, what I was impressed with too was his mental fortitude because Jay and I, Jay, you and I are on this big group chat and everyone was basically saying, oh, he's going to tank and Sanders going to win and he's not going to hold this lead. And then he came out and he made some nervy golf swings his first couple holes. Comes out and bogeys the first yeah. hole right away. You know, misses it way left off the tee and then misses it way right on the second shot and missed the green on two and actually hit a nervy little chip that was just kind of lucky that it was just kind of a chunk and run kind of shot down the hill yeah. and hit it, hit it to three or four feet. But the, the motion looked a little jerky and didn't look like the smoothest pitch shot motion I'd ever seen. And is the short game stats are pretty, pretty good. Pretty decent. Yeah. 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 For, for, I, 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 are you talking about the, the pitch shot he hit on the second hole on the second hole? It looked, I, I knew exactly what I, I said, the exact same thing when he hit that shot. I was like, man, that looks, I don't want to use the word yippee, but it looked like over acceleration at the wrong yeah, time. I was, I was like, like man, Ooh. that didn't, that didn't look right, but he, he actually hit a decent shot. He hit it. It was so like was three, like, four feet. And... Yeah. Maybe he was a little, but it, it worked out. Maybe that's what he needed to kind of settle him down. I think well, he made even, a birdie on eight, I think, to kind of really, he, he made a bunch of a bogey on one. And then a bunch of parts. I think he birdied eight. If that, if that, if I'm not mistaken. And that after that, he was he shot what four hundred. Yeah, I mean, hell, he even he lost the lead, right? And like four yeah. holes, he went from a two stroke, um, two stroke lead to start the day, and then he was one back of Xander. And you're like, okay, here we go. Xander is gonna kind of just you know top 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 five player in the world. Xander is gonna win. And sorry, Wyndham, you, you were close, but the pressure of of leading kind of got to you. But yeah, then he what he birdied starting on eight. I think he birdied was it four or five of the next eight holes. So just yeah, yeah, he went on a nice little run there. And then you know one of the things that I think really stuck with me, you know, he hit some squirrely drives on that back nine late. You know, I want to say he hit it in the bunker on fifteen and sixteen off the tee. Um, yeah, he was forced mm-hmm. to lay up. Made a great birdie laying up uh, on the par five, and then hit it in the bunker again and hit it to the very front edge of the green and made another great two putt. You know, he, he didn't hit a great first putt. He had about, I want to say four to six feet probably, but then he knocked that down to save his par and, you know, keep the momentum going. There's a lot to be said in those moments to where you're able to convert and able to keep it, um, you know, keep the squares off the card. And he certainly put himself in some situations where it would have been easy to make that bogey, but he was able to convert make the par, excuse me, make the par, um, you know, forced to lay up and got up, got up and down from the fairway and made another birdie on top of it. I want to say that was on 15. Yeah. Um, Yeah. It was, it was very impressive at the end because, you know, even looking at the lead when I was watching it and you would see the drive, you're like, uh Oh, this could potentially lead to something, you know, especially the par five Xander can make an easy birdie here. Um, he could potentially easily make a bogey all of a sudden four shot lead becomes a two shot lead and we're headed down, um, you know, the green mile and he just kind of got it done, um, did what he needed to do to keep those squares off the card and ultimately, uh, you know, hoisted that trophy. Yeah. Especially with that nervy start, it's really easy. I mean, uh, we've all played this game competitively. You guys a little bit more than way more than me, but when you get it going bad in a nervy spot, it's hard to just write the ship and especially in that spot, you know what I mean? With a, a, what number four or five player in the world, breathing down your neck, staring right at you, Mm -hmm. ready to pounce and you write the ship. And I guess he has been working a ton. You know, they talked about it in his interview afterwards, a ton on his mental game. And he's been reading a ton of mental books, not even just um, golf mental books, just, you know, the power of positive thinking Mm-hmm. kind of stuff and um yeah it was it was it was cool to see i mean I, I wasn't i wasn't thoroughly entertained with this event overall this past weekend um it was to me it was probably my 
least favorite of the designated events we've had. Now we've been pretty lucky. We've had some pretty damn exciting ones um, so far this year. And, and part of my lack of excitement is just Quail Hollow doesn't excite me all that much. Yeah, it's it, the, the guys really like the golf course because it was in incredible shape. But it's yeah, immaculate. I think it, yeah, if, I think it's you know a little benign, you know, in terms of I, I kind of we we I would I would put this similar to what we think about like Tory Bonds, like exactly. It's a, it's a famous golf course. Everyone knows it because it's because the players like it. But from a spectator standpoint, you're like can't really think of any of these really signature holes i 18 yes i can remember 18 i can remember 17 because the it's a long par three and then a crazy par four with a creek that runs down the middle but outside of that like there's no real signature holes that i can remember yeah they blend together specifically yeah they all kind of blend together and and i've been out on that golf course quite a few times and i've seen it so i feel like i should remember more of it after walking the golf course and and seeing it i never played it but i've been to the event a few times to watch some buddies play, but well, b- from being in Charlotte, from what I understand, and I got there literally my first weekend in Charlotte was the PGA Championship, which was 2017. Um, and from what I heard, the contingent was that everyone really liked the golf course before they, as as this is not my description of the golf course or their the renovation, but. Ultimately, they felt like they steroided it out for the PGA Championship and that it lost a lot of its character yeah. and yeah. it changed, um, you know, kind of the outlook. Because it's like, you know, even that that first fairway, I mean, it is massive. I mean, it would almost be hard to miss it. I mean, you can tug it left and, and get some roll out down the hill and end up in that left rough. But, you know, at the end of the day, it to me, it's a good trap. It's always going to be an absolutely immaculate condition you know in my amount of time in charlotte you know they were one of my good customers i spent a lot of time out at quail on that driving range and they move more dirt than anyone I've <laughs> i'm telling you they are constantly evolving and there's a lot there's a lot to be said about that and i'm not really trying to take anything away from it i'm just talking more about what i've seen because i can't personally form an form an opinion because i never really saw it prior to the renovation for the pga championship and that's just what a lot of the local contingent um, said about it during my time in Charlotte. Um, so, again, I think that's where maybe it lost a little bit of that character, a little bit about what what a lot of us consider that Carolina golf character to be. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, I, again, I, I think the tour players love it because it's always going to be in great shape. Um, they obviously are not hurting for budget. Uh, they do very well with 300 members and are extremely well-funded. Um, They're getting ready to tear it up. And again, they're redoing all the greens and bunkers. That I'm telling you, they they move more dirt than any spot I've ever seen in my life. It's wild. Yeah, they're, one of their um, renovation consultants is our consultant for our bunker project, the Foundry. And he was up a couple of weeks ago and he had come straight from quail and he's like, yeah, they're getting ready to tear it all up again. I think he said they're just doing greens and bunkers, but still. Why, why do they need to redo the greens? I mean, the, I everyone know. says the greens are absolutely perfect. They're like spotless. There's not a blade of grass. Yeah, out of they, are, they are perfect. They used to have, before they did the uh, range renovation, they had this putting green on the back of the range. And I'm just telling you, it was as minty as it could possibly be and they just ripped that out of there for grandstand uh uh for grandstands basically and moved the range back and i was also surprised because they they were doing this massive range renovation and dug that whole thing up and literally put back in a larger version of exactly what they had and i was extremely surprised when i got back out there don't get me wrong it's a good range but you would have thought i mean the range they had was good the range they had wasn't bad it might have been a little short for the tour players to a certain extent but the range they had was really good. And I was surprised to see that they didn't make, I mean, I understand why a place with that much history is not in it to make a ton of changes, but I was still surprised to see that um, they basically went back in with kind of that same, that same, uh, same type of property. Yeah. I just think it's, I don't know. It's, I think it's a good golf course for these guys. I mean, hell <laughs> in all honesty, I mean, that's a tough golf course in, it is Wyndham, a tough, yeah. Wyndham Clark with a 19 under. Now, granted, he 
he what he won by four and really it was a two-man race it, it was an easy golf course for xander shoffley and wyndham clark because second or tied tied uh where am i tied third was 12 under so even xander had a three-shot lead over third place yeah you know so 12 under yeah okay that makes a little more sense but 19 and 15 so um yeah, it typically plays a little harder than that. I was surprised to see the winning score at, at 19 under. And it, it didn't seem like it was soft by any means. It seemed like it was pretty damn firm and bouncy. But um, yeah. what do you guys make yeah. of Xander? What do you guys make of Xander? So I, I wrote in the notes, is this just who he is or something like that? Is this a pattern? Because I feel like he doesn't win enough. But then I look at his his record. He won three times last year. Now, granted, one of them was the Zurich two man with Cantlay. I don't really count that. It's fake. Doesn't event. count. Uh, and he won two events, both pretty decent events. He won back to back. He won the Travelers, which gets a good field, and it actually will be you know designated this year. And then he won the Genesis uh, Scottish Open, the dual event where everyone went over and played prior to the British. So he won two good events, but I feel like ah, I'm always I'm always left wanting more with the guy. Well, I think he's, yeah, I, he is. I agree. He's one of those guys that we've come to have or come to create certain expectations that may be unfair to him. You know, he's still playing great golf. Like you, exactly what you just said. He hoisted three trophies last year. You know, I mean, that's a great season, regardless of what anyone thinks about the team event. I don't disagree with you, Mike, but at the same time, he still hoisted the trophy. Still went out there, won the golf tournament with Patrick Cantlay, um, won Travelers, won Genesis. Um, you know, I think he's been on such a hot streak that all of a sudden, when we don't see him getting it done, we start to look at it neg- negatively. When at the same time, I mean, I would I would bet if you ask him, you know, how it went last week, he'd be like, hey, you know, I had a really good week, had a good tournament. You know, didn't quite get it done, but had a good week, had a good tournament. And there's a lot to be taken away from finishing solo second in a designated event, especially one that has the notoriety in the field that a place like Quail Hollow um, brings to the table. So I think he's falling victim to the expectation that, you know, golf and the golf media has put on him uh, more so than necessarily saying that, I mean, because what are we going to say? He's in a slump because he didn't get it done. The guy finished solo second. Um, It's not like he's out there missing cuts. It's not like he's out there failing to compete and failing to retain his, um, you know, world ranking. So, again, I I just think that he's a victim of what media has put on his expectation. Yeah. No, I I think you're right. I mean, I think – I think the expectation is high, and I think that he probably feels that expectation in these bigger events. So, yes, he is hoisting some trophies. He's got seven seven career PGA Tour wins, and what eight years of being on tour. Then um, it's a great that's a great career, and I think he's he's been so close so many times. I think that's I think that's where we kind of look at him like, when are you going to take that next step and win a major? And he's he's had some success in the majors in a sense that he's has a, had a bunch of top fives um, over the last four years. I mean, I don't know what is he maybe five or six top fives in, in majors in the last four or five years. So, I mean, he's always kind of in the in the mix, but he just hasn't stepped over the you know over the fence there to jump onto the the winner side in, in the majors. But again, I think that's kind of like we talk about like Tony Finau, like. The guy's talented. He does everything well. I mean, there's really no weakness in Xander's game. Um, he's a, he's a very good putter. Drives the ball really well. Not as long as as some of the big big hitters, but still long enough. And he's a great iron player. One of the best, um, you know, mid to long iron players in the game, mm-hmm. um, statistically speaking. So again, back to our point with our formula, like the guys who you know, the best ball strikers, the best iron players are the guys who are always in the mix and he's always putting himself in that position. So I think for him to win one of these majors or win more of these big events, it's, it's just a matter of him. It's a more of a mental thing, not, not anything, you know, uh, I guess mechanical, you know, with his swing, or I think he just has to find a way to just relax his mind a little bit and allow himself to play 
you know, his best golf and not specifically this week. I mean, he played good. I mean, what he shoot? Yeah. We shot 15 under, right? Yeah. yeah. Uh, I mean, you shoot 15 under at Quail Hollow. Yeah. You, you just, if you say that at the beginning of the week, you take it and you're like, Hey, if somebody gets hot and beats me, then so be it. Um, and I'm not so much talking about this one because Wyndham just won that tournament. I don't, I don't think Xander lost it by any means, but there are some other tournaments where he just, he's just a little tight, you know, in my opinion, he just doesn't, you know, just doesn't free it up just enough to allow himself to, um, to go out and, and play his best golf in those, those tough moments. And it's not a knock by any means, cause he still plays good golf. It's not like he goes out and, you know, choking it up and shoots, you know, 80, but it's just it's just a little tight where he just doesn't free himself up completely to where he he showcases his talents at the at the at the fullest i guess so maybe he can do it you know i'm sure he i'm sure he'll figure it out i I'm, I'm pretty sure he'll i'm pretty sure he'll win a major yeah and time. i think i think that's why like Absolutely. you guys are saying my my perception of like man he just doesn't doesn't seem to really close the door it's just because he's there so much yeah. He's just not going to close the door all that often. Yeah. I mean, looking at I'm looking at his numbers. He has not missed a cut in over a year. That's awesome. His last cut he missed was after the Masters last year in 2022. And since that time, he's had three wins and 14 top tens. Yeah. That's, that's pretty damn good. And like you were saying, his major record, he's had 10 top tens in majors. So it's six top fives. Six top fives, yeah. And then some solid. of his other ones, he's still got one, two, three, four, five, six other top 20s on top of those 10 top 10s, you know? So, yeah, he's just he's just there a lot. And so I guess when you see him there a lot, he just maybe doesn't, my perception is he doesn't win as much as he should, but it's a it's a hell of a track record. And um, I mean, these are some, I was just pulling up his stats as well. So, one the stat that jumped off uh, right from the the get go at the top there, like we were talking about, one fifty to one seventy five approach. Um, he's he's first. He's it's a closer hole than anybody else in in the game from that yardage. Which I feel it's like big on the PGA Tour, that is a that is a a pretty common yardage to have into par fours. And if you're hitting, he hits it to 23, 23 feet three inches. I mean that's an automatic two putt, and occasionally you'll you know, you'll make one of these. And he said that's his average from that distance, um, which is pretty cool. And he's also number one in putting from three feet and in. He has not missed a single putt from three feet and in all year. <laughs> I mean, it, you know, you you say that like we think it's funny, but like he has not missed a putt from inside of three feet all year. I mean, I know I've missed plenty of those this oh, year. Yeah. I mean, so many. <laughs> You know, it's not it's not a guarantee, but I mean, his strength is in his his ball striking fourth uh, strokes gain total, and that's that's his fourth strokes gain total with with being sixty seventh off the tee strokes gain. So that just goes to show how how well he is his his irons. And you know, again, if, if and he's he's seventeenth in putting, so sixth in approach to green, seventh seventeenth in putting, and he just doesn't drive it as well. He's he's it's not even the distance, I think, as much as, as it is his accuracy. He's 80th off the tee and, and driving distance. He's 301, um, which is 80th. He hits a 301 off the tee, and he's 80th. But he he just doesn't hit as many fairways. He's, uh, he's I would argue that that distance isn't correct. I think he hits a lot of three woods off the tee, and I think that's where you know, he plays really smart because I watched him this weekend tap 184 ball speed off the driver. Yeah, he had a few that's passes with him. That's not 80th yeah. on tour. I'm just telling you right now. Yeah. He, he smokes it, and he does it with it, such fluid motion. The only and, thing and that it, I would and say, it may be, it may be, but the fact of the matter of fact of the matter is, regardless of whatever he's hitting off the tee, if you are hitting more three woods, you should be better than 114 or 114 than driving accuracy. So that's why I think his strokes right. gain numbers are, are low. Like, yeah, if you're gonna hit three wood. Then you better be hitting more fairways to keep those numbers up. And he's obviously that seems to be the weakest link at the link weakest link at the moment. I remember one time hitting a three wood off the tee playing with my dad, and he he asked me after the fact. He said, uh, well, "Why'd you hit three wood there?" I said, "Well, I was, was really trying to make sure I hit the fairway." And he goes, "Well, buddy, let me assure you, you can miss that fairway just as easy with the three yeah. wood and a driver. Go ahead, go ahead, and hit the driver down there. Unless there's yeah, unless there's something the fairway yeah. that you can't hit it. You go and hit that driver, but." The only thing I would say about Xander, um, if I was going to try to pick out something that I think 
he may not have entirely versus some of the best players in the world, especially historically speaking. I don't know if he has that killer instinct. That would be yeah. be the one thing that I would say that, you know, it doesn't see, I mean, he's a very low key guy, very even keeled. Um, you know, you don't see him get very up or very down really ever, which as we know, can, can produce a lot of great paychecks. Um, but at the end of the day, I don't know if he's got that killer instinct that we see out of some of the, you know, historically best players um, in the world. Yeah. I mean, that's, I mean, it's a great point. I mean, I think that's such an internal trait and it's so hard to see it and it's so hard to uh, grade it. And it's so hard to evaluate it. Like, you know, what, what we see from that killer instinct, um, you know, when we look at tiger, like it's that steely vision, you know, uh, nothing is affecting me. I'm not talking to anybody. And then you, you see somebody like Jack Nicholas, who's, you know, walking down the fairway, putting his arm around a fellow competitor, uh, still wanting to win, or, or like Arnold Palmer, same thing, or like Lee Trevino. I mean, he couldn't stop talking, but that guy was a stone cold killer. You know, he could he could win. So it's just, I agree with you, and I think that there may there may be something lacking there, but it's just so hard to even tell what that is. You know, because it looks so different for certain people. And then what happens if all of a sudden Xander? wins two majors and then wins three more times this year. They're like, we're like, Oh, this guy's got it. You know? And so it's cause he's so close. Absolutely. He's right on the edge. Um, so I, I don't know. I mean, that's a good point. I just don't, I, I have no idea how to see it, you know, unless I really play with him and see him. Um, but watching him, he does all, he does everything right. You know, you're like, I don't know. He's, he's, he's so good. I, I mean, I find myself picking him all the time in our DraftKings and some of our other leagues. Cause he's just so solid. You're like, it was so consistent. Yeah, do I take the chance that he he's going to just go ahead and get it done this week or finish second? I guess you know, but the times I pick him, he doesn't do that. <laughs> it's like when I pick Rory. Oh, God, God damn Rory! Speaking of speaking of Rory, big Rory fan these days. Are you <laughs> big Rory fan these days? Why is that? Plays the right stuff. <laughs> <laughs> Um, are these think of think fatigue setting in with some of these guys? Well, it shouldn't be Rory because he took the last three weeks off. True, shouldn't be any fatigue from him, but maybe some of the other guys, you know, possibly. You know, I mean, like uh, Spieth shot a freaking million on Friday, misses the he's cut. out then, this week, and now he WD because of a, of a wrist injury. Um, yeah, that's what I saw. So, you know, that's a, that he must either he must really be hurt because this is in his hometown and his I shouldn't say his main sponsor. I mean, one of his main sponsors between Under Armour yeah. and AT&T are hosting the event. Yeah. I mean, he, he must really either be on the fringe of being hurt and he wants to be ready for the PJ championship or he must really be hurt uh, for him to miss miss this event. That I see somewhere he said it could be multiple weeks. Like he might not be at the PGA. Oh wow! Yeah, I, I didn't see which that. would be I crazy because that is his chance to win the slam, the career grand slam. Yeah. Well, she you know it's slam. legit. If he misses the PGA, you know it's legit. It's not just rest. Yeah. Yeah. I hope not. I mean, everybody. I hope not. Everybody likes when when he's playing. Um, Especially I mean, that storyline too, right? Yeah. So, but you know, yeah. Rory doesn't. Rory didn't play well. I mean, we you saw Rom and, and Scheffler take the week off. You know, they they skipped. They used their one skip for the designated events this year uh, at Wells Fargo. So they were in the field. So you can probably tell they're a little. But then Scheffler's in the field this week, which doesn't make any sense. I don't know. Yeah, well, I was surprised he's that because he's a he's a Texas boy. I guess so. Yeah, it, it's it's somewhere I think he because I think he lives in Dallas if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, um, yeah. So for him, it's a home game. He can stay at home. He probably knows that course really well. Probably will have very little, um, you know, practice rounds that he plays this week. He's probably played it a bunch throughout the year, and he can go out there and just kind of you know stay sharp and make sure that he's firing all all cylinders. And there are there are yeah. some of these guys that like the play the week the week before a major. Some of them want to take the yep. week yeah. off. So and I haven't paid attention to Scotty's schedule in, in years past if he's played uh, prior or not, but. He he finished fifteenth last year at the AT and T, and then missed the cut. One of his few missed cuts last year at the PGA. The PGA last year. 
Hmm. Um, so who knows? I mean, this is seems to be his schedule, but if he follows suit with what he did last year, then he'll have an okay week and then miss the cut at the PGA, which I'm sure he doesn't want. But then he went on a pretty good, pretty good tear after that. Tough, tough to imagine that guy missing a cut. The way he's it, it really is. I mean, you look at it like, how does this guy ever miss a cut? And then yeah, you, know, you look back and he did miss a few last year. He missed three. Um, FedEx St. Jude, the Scottish Open in the PGA last year, and that was pretty much it. I mean, you look so, at if you look at Scheffler's too, his his schedule coming up here, obviously he'll play the PGA. And then he's gonna play Charles Schwab Challenge. He always plays well there at, at Colonial. And after that, I'm assuming he'll play the Memorial, or I guess he has to play the Memorial since it's a designated event. Then he'll take RBC off the Canadian Open and then play the US Open. So he's got a, a lot of golf. Come yeah, and, I, and Rom, kinda... that was that was the thing with Rom. Rom had played like six the last eight weeks or something, which is for a for the top player in the world. That's a lot of golf. A lot. When you're when you're that good of a player, you can and you've already had that many wins. You would think that he would, you know, take take some time off, which he did this week. But this was this was kind of strange for being an elevated event. Um, yeah, that, that was a little little bizarre. Um, so, yeah, now granted, this is going to be what we kind of. Yeah, exactly. Oh, that guy's hurt. Um, uh, sorry, <laughs> watching hockey. Uh, <laughs> You're watching your Boston Celtics. <laughs> uh, I'm not watching that anymore because they're getting their fucking ass kicked at home. They're trying. <laughs> they're trying to make a comeback. Yeah, too little, too late. Um, what was I saying? <laughs> you got distracted. I don't, I don't remember. I get distracted by the guy laying deadless, uh, motionless on the ice here. <laughs> oh. He's good. He's good. He's all right. Uh, I, I don't remember what I was saying, so I apologize. Get, get distracted. No, we're just going back to Rom. That you know, I I was really surprised that he did take the week off because Quail Hollow to me sets up for Rom so yeah. well. A course that he should really go out and contend on week in and week out, year in and year out. Um. You know, I was I was definitely surprised to see him, you know, take it off. And uh I understand why. I mean, the guy has played a ton of golf and he's got a ton of golf coming up. And you know, I, I think I think there's a lot to be said from you know managing your rest well and preparing yourself for major season, which we know we're we're getting into the thick of it right now. But there's few golf courses I think that set up as good for him as Wells Fargo does. Well, I also this is what I was going to say. That I also think he must be seriously tired because he wants two weeks off before the PGA. Yeah. But I feel like Quail would be a really good test prior to Oak Hill. Absolutely. So, Absolutely. yeah, he must just be exhausted. I'm sure. I'm sure. So. Um, all right. Something I thought was, was what's interesting. Let's take a look at the Ryder Cup standings for the American team. I'm going to give Jay... Here here he comes. He's back. All right. So let's take a look at the Ryder Cup standings. They obviously are loaded with American talent. But I think we're going to see some new faces this year on the squad. You think Scheffler is going to make it? He's got a 10,000 point lead on Max Homa. <laughs> like, my goodness. So here's the, the it's six qualifiers, six <clears throat> captain's picks. Here are the six qualifiers currently Scotty Scheffler, Max Homa, Xander Shoffley, Cameron Young, Jordan Spieth, Patrick Cantlay. The next six, just on points, not to say that they're going to make the team. They could jump up there and get in their points or they could be captain's picks. But you got Sam Burns, Justin Thomas, Colin Morikawa, Will Zalatoris, who's out all year, so you could basically scratch him. Wyndham Clark jumps 19 spots to 11th in the rankings. Kurt Kitayama is 12th, and then we'll go down to Tony Fino at 13th since he's de facto number 12 on the list with Zalatoris uh, being injured. I think 7, 8, 9 are given. I think Sam Burns, Justin Thomas, and Colin Morikawa are all pretty much a given pick. Yeah. Um, especially with JT's fire that he loves match play. I think he's just a, a great stalwart for us in match play. Um, obviously one of the top players in the world. Um, and 
You had know, a good back nine on Sunday. You know, I wouldn't, it wouldn't surprise me to see a guy like Sahit Thigala potentially get a nod. You know, if he keeps playing well, he could get up a couple of spots. Um, you know, he, he's, he's really put on some great golf over the past 12 months. And it wouldn't surprise me if how he's trending that he gets a nod. Um, but I'm, I'm with you. I mean, I think Finau's probably in. I think Finau will play well enough that he probably moves up a couple of spots and he, he will probably get a nod as well. Um, but I'm with you. I mean, you know, you look at guys like, you know, Kirk Kitayama. You know, I'm not taking anything away from him, but, you know, does he get the nod? Does Chris Kirk get the nod? Does Harris English get the nod? Um, you've got a guy like Keegan Bradley who's had a really nice resurgence and ultimately a guy that also has that fire in his belly for match play really gets really gets into it. So it, it's it's interesting. You know, Tom Hoagie, you know, looking all the way down at number 18, you know, he's he's someone who I think is good, but I, I don't know that his game is going to set up well for a rider course, uh, a rider cup course. So, you know, it's going to be going to absolutely be interesting. I mean, you go a couple ticks down and you've got Ricky Fowler, who's playing some really good golf. And then right below him, you've got Brooks Kepka. Yeah, and it would be tough not to pick Brooks the way he's been playing and the way his game performs especially with his major in those big moments yeah i mean you know, he and he's another guy that i think it would be tough it would certainly be surprising it would certainly probably sour um a bunch of people the fact that you know he's a live golfer that could potentially make it in uh, i'm okay with him being uh or having the ability to play um god i'm surprised look at phil mickelson at 25 yeah. The fact I mean, that he's that, at 25, that, and, that's, and that's nuts. That's, again, where you look at this these points, and it's like, that, that's why they have six picks. I mean, if, if I were a captain, and and say, let's let's just say Brooks Kepka has, Kepka has a great uh, major run the rest of the year. He already finished, uh, had his, had his, had a great finish there, finished second at the Masters. Say he says, he racks up, you know, three more top tens at the majors. And doesn't equate, or doesn't equal enough points because he doesn't play enough PGA Tour events to get those points. But how do you not? How do you not pick him for well, the? Depends for on the if, if if they let politics play a part in it, whether or not they want to actually. If yeah. winning's the most important thing, or whether the politics of the PGA versus Live gets into the situation. It sounded yeah. like Zach Zach Johnson made a comment that he's going to lean heavily on the players that make the team for advice on the captain's picks. And Brooks so is the, pretty so close the six that automatically guys. qualify, he's gonna he's, he's gonna, gonna lean on there. Who do you want to play with? Yeah, kind of stuff. So, you know, I, I look at it kind of like you do, McLean. I, I think Burns. I'll just say the top six stay as is. Mm-hmm. Burns, Thomas, Morikawa, and I would put Fina in there are guaranteed. So to me, yeah. there's two spots available. Yeah, yeah, I agree with that. And so then it's is it Wyndham Clark, Kirk Kitayama? I mean, Chris Chris Kirk and Harris English. They can. I'm good. Thanks. They can be nowhere near my team. Um, sorry. I'd rather. I mean, they've I mean, Chris Kirk has been playing some good golf. He, Harris he English has, has made but... it made a nice little run here uh, quietly. Um, he you know hasn't done a whole lot. Hasn't won any, but he's no. he's in the last year he's played a lot better. After I don't know if he had an injury or what he had going on, but he was out. Yeah, he was out for a while. Injury. Yeah. But I tell you what, I watched that that mid iron that he hit on 18. Into the middle of the green. I'm sporting. I mean, I, that looked like the Harris English of old. Like it was yeah. a laser beam. They had the shot tracer on it. And I was like, that was a nice, smooth six-two long, lanky swing that yeah. didn't. The ball didn't even had zero curve. It was a zero-zero in track man, just right at it. And I was like, oh, that looks that looks parody. Yeah. But looking so at he, it, if if I want to win. If I want to win, it comes down to three guys for me, and that's Sahith, Keegan, and Brooks. Guys that I think like to get done, have a little fire. They've got the firepower to play a long golf course, which you know the Ryder Cup's going to be. I just uh, those those would probably be my picks. I think you got to put Ricky in there too. Ricky, if he keeps this up, he's right there. If he keeps it up, if he has a good major season. And has some great finishes yeah. the remainder of the three majors. I think he should absolutely be considered. I'm just I, talking I, right now. If I had to make yeah. my picks right this second, it would be, um, you know, 
Seth, Keegan, or Brooks. You know, two I, I like the, I like the Gala in a Ryder Cup. Like he he's I got too. just enough swag to him where he can he can get some energy and he's got a little bit of the intimidation factor. A guy that can hit it a mile. He's a big guy, you know. Uh, but he's tough. He's like he, he's not going to quit. Like I, those are the guys you want. He's he's got a little bit of a personality to him. Yeah, yeah. Um, and he, you're finding the blend. You know, you, you got to find those those guys that you have your, your big personalities that can kind of get you jacked up. But also, you need your you need your Matt Coochers. You know, you need your Zach Zach Johnsons. You need your Steady Eddie when you're playing these four balls. Like, hey man, I'm going to make part in every single hole. Um, go at it. You know, you, you know, hit your driver on the 315 yard drivable par four over the water. You give it a go. I'm going to lock up this par and you free it up, you know? Yeah. So you need a little bit of that. That I also like getting a little more fresh blood in there because you can't just rely on the same 12 guys every year. Someone's going to be hurt or someone's going to have a little bit of a slump. Yeah. And if you can sprinkle in another guy or two every year, to get a little experience, it's only going to help long term in these team events. You know, we're talking you, four, four, eight, you know, 12 years down the road. Could you potentially see, let's just say that we want to see the absolute best golfers in the world? Forget the Ryder Cup standings to a certain degree when it comes to these captain picks. Sure. Could you see DJ get, getting picked at 36? No. Is that too low? Too much drama that comes along. You with gotta, that? you gotta show me something on a golf course. He's not even showing well, me something I, on a live I, golf no, course. I, so. I, agree, I agree with that. Let's say he goes out and he has a, a stellar season, and we know the history that he has in the Ryder Cup, the um, history he has in professional golf. You know, it just it just brings a new narrative with the live golfers to think that this could potentially even be an option. I mean, the best part right now about having DJ in the Ryder Cup would be seeing Paulina and all the gear, you know, <laughs> at the dinners and stuff. That, I mean, you've got that's where the think, captain's think about that, though, you got you've got Taylor Gooch who just won back to back live events. I mean, he's sixty. What is he? Sixty eighth on the list. Like, if he were playing that type of golf on the PJ Tour and were to get back to back wins, I mean, he would be in the top fifteen right now. Um, I mean, he was the guy was playing really good, solid golf. Um, before he before he switched over, so yeah, I mean, you he know, was like a 20, lot of people to twenty six in the world when he switched over. Yeah, so I mean, I don't like know. right that now. Was... I would put Ricky ahead of Brooks, just purely because I think what I know Brooks won and live whatever the hell that means. I still don't know quite know what that means over there. The context I'm I'm lacking in in what finishes mean over there. Uh, yes, he had an awesome Masters. Um, I need to see a little bit more out of Brooks. I'd rather the consistent week in and week out of the way, how Ricky's been playing here recently. And he knows those guys all really well, and he's good buddies with them all. I mean, I think Brooks is too, but you know, Brooks is a little bit of his own own thing off the course. I, I agree with that. Ricky definitely makes a better teammate. I agree with that. So it's it's really interesting. I think those, I mean, obviously this can change. We're only, you know, first week of May here, second week of May, I guess now, you know, a lot can change between now and Labor Day weekend or so whenever the, these picks are finalized. A lot of it's going to come down, especially when you look at a guy like Brooks. Um, it's going to come down to what he does in the majors. I mean, those are really the only events that he has a chance to play against the world and, and you know, create uh or generate some world ranking points yeah those final two picks will be interesting there's going to be quite a some big names with some you know quasi no names and some guys might be in better form than others so it'll be it'll be interesting to kind of monitor that but when i saw wyndham clark was all the way up at 11th after the win i was like oh damn 19 spots is a big jump it's a big jump now now granted these points are based off of dollars earned Right, so yeah, these wins and these designated events play a big part. Are going to skyrocket yeah. people, yeah, because the purses are so much bigger now. So, I don't, yeah, I don't know. I don't know if I love. I don't know if I love that. I mean, I granted it is an elevated event, so ideally you've got a deeper field, so the the money should kind of equate, but it doesn't. Like, I mean, what what did they what did they win first place? Was it three point six? 
3.6 million. But if you win a non-designated event that has a decent field, it's like a third of that. Like you're yeah. still just over a million. Yeah, it's like, like a million. I really get three times the points. Well, we got to know that that's that's a ploy by the tour to try and generate participation in these events. That's why it matters to make sure that you're participating. Now, I don't sure. disagree with you, Jay. I don't but in terms of in terms that. of how it relates to the the Ryder Cup points, you, you know. make it you make an incredible point, and I I 100 agree with you. I think ultimately that is that's just something that's being done to help make you know those events more attractive for the top players and to get them in the field. It's like 1.6 mil, I think, to the winner this week. Is it? Yeah. Man. So two million shy of what Wyndham just won. So you win this week. It, you're going to move up those points, but not nearly as much as he just did. Yeah, my heart goes out to him. <laughs> <laughs> I feel bad for him. Yeah. So real bad. <laughs> so, um, all right. You guys got anything else on Wells Fargo, the uh, world of golf? Yeah. Did you guys see by chance that the members of the course that the live tournament played at are beside themselves about how much damage was done to the property. Oh, uh, the, the Australian property, right? The Australian yes. course. Yeah. Where the live, yeah. where the live Adelaide was just played. Um, the members, they say it's going to be a, a six month repair process and they'll just get it fixed. Oh. They'll host the tournament again. They did show some of the damage and it did look pretty extensive. I don't know if they have the most, experience in setting up their uh their grandstands grandstands they, yeah. they don't have danny ellis going in there and doing it right yeah hooking uh, it up but at the end of the day I, I saw some of the pictures and i was a little bit taken back by it myself but um it's interesting um it's inter- interesting to see where that goes in the future you know if that starts to uh to take away from it they are uh they are playing this week in tulsa that's right golf mecca I don't. I don't remember the name of the well, course they're playing, but they are playing this week. Yeah, what is the course? Hang on, I'll jump on golf now. I like, find it. I feel like we should. <laughs> you, get a, you get a tea time tomorrow for seventy four ninety five. With a cold beer and a hot dog balls. at the turn. <laughs> uh, uh, I forget the name of the golf course. I can't remember, but it is in Tulsa. I do know that. Hold, please. There's some good golf courses in Tulsa. There is. No, there is. Yeah. yeah. Cedar someone, Ridge Country Club. Cedar Ridge. Never heard of it. Couldn't tell you a thing about it. Let's see oh. where it ranks in the top courses. Well, it's, a, it's a good time to be in Oklahoma. You know, May, like it's like if you were there in June or July. Or I mean, August. God forbid, going to Oklahoma in, in August. You talk about sweating your balls off. I mean, I remember going to Oklahoma and playing in Northeast Oklahoma, just outside of Tulsa, in like July and August. And it was just back when you used to wear those. Uh, what was it? Double. Uh, what is it? The double mercerized cotton. Double double mercerized cotton. Oh my gosh! I remember walking out in like 15 minutes. These shirts were completely soaking wet. Like I mean, <laughs> like drenched, like drenched. Probably had some, like, some oh, pleated cotton pants on. Oh yeah, double pleated. Oh yeah, we're we're <laughs> and I have a Foot Joy Classics on. Tops. I can't believe I used to walk in those things. They're so uncomfortable. They look sweet though. They look so sweet. <laughs> I mean, baggy, super baggy. I, rem- I remember when. So when I first enrolled and started at Clemson and in the PGM program, uh, Titleist and Footjoy Kushnet had a a deal with us where we could get stuff at at PUD, which is what's called personal use discount, which is below cost, below wholesale. So you got retail, then you got wholesale. This was below wholesale. Yeah. And I was like so excited because I got my first ever pair of classics. <laughs> and I wore these things like every freaking round of golf I played in. It didn't matter. They were black and brown, which was just an, looking back, it was an awful combo. I didn't care. I was wearing these things. They were like eight pounds a piece. Mm. It was, they did look good. But other than that, we used to walk, you know, back in college, you played 36 whole days. Yeah. And I used to wear these for 36 whole days. And I mean, I, I look back, I'm like, I don't even, I don't know how I wore those. I mean, and, and, and again, let alone 36 holes. And then had to go back out the next day and I wore them again. 
54 holes in two days. I'm like, what is wrong with you? It's it like people, you know, would look at you like, you sure you want to wear those? You know, I'm like, yeah, these look sweet. This, this looks awesome. Like, who, who cares? No one's watching me play in March and uh, when it's snowing and yeah. um, I'm wearing these Detroit classics. Like, get out of here. This is what Davis Love was like, wearing. Them. That's what I'm wearing. Uh, oh, wow. So, all right, let's. Looks, um, what's that? We looked sweet. Yeah, we looked good. Yeah, look good, feel good, play good. That's my That's philosophy. What said. So, who? Uh, McLean won last week. Damn it, we were hoping you weren't going to field a squad last week. You weren't on the show. We were hoping you were busy with all your travel and you were going to forget to field the DraftKings squad, but you did. I thought I thought you might. Get, I thought you guys might feel that way. Yes, you did, 100%. and you won. Where so, are we? Uh, good week. Jay, Jay and I were creeping up on you, and now you went out ahead again. So you were at eighty-six, McLean. Jay is at seventy-nine. I am at seventy-six. Damn so it. creeping. So you you creeping. put a little more a little right. more space between us. So all right, you can go first for this week. We got. I'm ready. Uh, again, right. AT&T, Byron Nelson, TPC, Craig Ranch. Top of the board, I've got 9,400, Mr. Jason Day, guy who's mm. had a, a great resurgence in his career as of lately. Um, and then I've got the guy, I'm, i got to be honest with you, I mean, how do you not how do you not like him? Going for the three-peat, Mr. K.H. Lee, 9,300. Um, I got down and I went to go pick my last two picks, and I, I specifically did it to where I'd have a little bit of dollars left. And I put Scheffler on my team because I'm for every obvious reason known to man. But it took me all the way down. He was so expensive. It took me all the way down where my my second pick would be like six thousand dollars. So I I had to I had to let that go. <laughs> so I went back. Jason Day, KH Lee. You know I don't know that KH Lee is going to three peat, but my God, can you have more good juju going into an event? And he just mean, finished yeah. top ten. Yeah, yeah, he had a great finish at Wells. Um, you got to feel like he's going to go out there and at least you know make the cut and. Throw a couple of good scores up. It's got a lot of a uh, lot of comfort on that golf course. Um, moving south from there, the power rankings did get a hold of me. Just so you guys know, <laughs> Christian Bazadenhut, uh, eight thousand uh, dollars. And I apologize, Mr. Tom Hoagie is right above that, eighty five hundred. They're going with Tom Hoagie. He was on the power rankings this week. Saw him as kind of a sleeper pick for this week that I think will do well. Um, Mr. Justin Suh. Also, a guy that uh, was on the power rankings saw him on the sleeper picks as well. I think his his game's going to set up well here. He's had a good year going forth, fourteen made cuts and two top tens. And then, horse for a course, back in the mix, just feels good to mention him in his home state, out of West Texas, <laughs> Ryan Palmer. Wow, gotta like him. He's got sixty two there last year during the second round. Um, you know, faltered a little bit on the weekend, but ultimately, you know, a, a guy I think is just gonna come out play well. He's had a he's had a very light, very light resurgence recently, but I think he's gonna go out there and be able to freewheel it. I mean, as uh, as Lonto once said on this podcast, guy had forty million dollars in career earnings and just starts it out over the water. He's not afraid to go out there and play hard. <laughs> yeah. So. Mr. Ryan Palmer bringing it up. I mean, quite frankly, he's my top. He's my top pick. I don't care about the dollar amount. <laughs> That's great. All right, Jay Bird, you finish second. Right. You can go second. Um. All right, I will. Uh, I like to start from the bottom. Um, this is a weird pick here, but I'll just. I'm going for it. Uh, Charlie Hoffman. Wow. At seventy one hundred dollars. He actually has played in this event quite a bit. I know they changed courses, you know, a couple of years ago, but you know, his, he hasn't been playing great. He hasn't made the last three cuts. He missed the cut last year, but he, you know, 40th, 12th, second, eighth, uh, the last couple of times he's playing it. Maybe not all of them at this golf course, but um, yeah, I don't know. A little bit I read about it. And, you know, I'm just going to give it a shot. So here we are. Um, Seventy nine hundred uh, friend of the pod Joe Bramlett. I think he's been playing some some good golf as of late. Uh, he made a, made a couple cuts in a row. Um, but again, long hitter. Like I feel like this course should typically play firm and fast this time of year, and the, the scores are low. And 
he hits it as long as anybody. And if he can get get hot with making some birdies and hitting it close to the hole, um, it could be uh, it could be a good fit for him. Um, you know, Bazenden Hoot, eight thousand bucks. I know you already mentioned him, uh, McLean, for all the reasons that you said. Um, I'm going with him, and then uh, Stephen Yeager. Uh, I don't think I picked him last week. I did in another another league, so I didn't know if it was back to back. But um, again, kind of showing some promise here, and at that price range, I feel like he plays well, makes the cut, uh, finished thirty uh, eighth last year, and then seventeenth uh, a couple years prior to that. So, um, yeah, price is right. And then I jump up to one of these two guys will win this week. Um, Adam Scott, ninety two hundred bucks, playing some really good, solid golf right now. Uh, and then uh, Tom Kim, ninety six hundred bucks. Uh, I was, I actually had Jason Day in in the lineup there, and I think Jason will probably play well, uh, play there, play well there as uh, as well. But um, I'm going to give Tom Kim a shot. I, he doesn't hit it as long as I would like for for being priced at that at that uh, at that. Uh, at that level, but I, I, he's been playing good and everything is saying, yes, this guy's going to have a good week. So I uh, finished 17th last year. So he obviously can play, play the golf course. So it's not, it's not overly long golf course. You just have to take advantage of it. Um, play I've played it, uh, you know, a bunch of times, went to Q school there three or four times, second stage. And of course I played it in November and most of the time it was snowing when I played there, but <laughs> If it's the weather's nice, which it looks like it's going to be, and they've got the the fairways firm and fast, you can you can make a, a ton of birdies, a ton of birdies. Yeah, it's normally well under par. Wins this. Mm-hmm. Got to get the twenty at least. Mm-hmm. So, all right. Well, uh, three of three of my players have been picked. So I'll give uh, Christian Bezadenhut, who all three of us took Bez at eight thousand dollars. I don't need to really explain that anymore. Are you guys starting to learn my trick looking at the power rankings? No, uh, no. I, I never look at the power rankings. No. Ever. Uh, then I guess I'll, I'll start at the bottom. You but I guess I this? should. You ready for this name? <laughs> I know. Maybe I should too. You ready for this name? $7,100. I can't believe I'm taking this guy. Been playing really well. Jimmy Walker. Jimmy. Jimmy Walker, I, I was I was looking at him earlier. He, Texas, it's not a yeah, crazy Texas pick. Texas boy. He's finished in the top twenty five in his last four events. Uh, Seventy one hundred dollars. Give me Jimmy. I can't believe I'm saying it, but give me Jimmy Walker. I need him on my squad. I like that pick. Uh, then I'm going to go up to a guy that I've picked a a, a fair amount recently, and he's playing solid. Seventy four hundred dollars. Dylan Wu. I don't know what his track record is here at this event, but again, has been playing very, very well over the last handful of months. Um, sneaky, sneaky, good season. So Dylan Wu at 7,400. Um, then I go up to Bez. I talked about him. Then I'm going to go to Tom Hoagie. Hoagie. 85. Dylan Wu, Dylan Wu missed a cut here last year. Sorry. Oh, just damn it. Okay. Thank you. Um, He'll probably win this week. I just I just like Hoagie. I feel like in a birdie fest kind of golf course, he he can put up some deep numbers. And I don't know. I just like that. Eighty five hundred dollars. Tom Hoagie did not play last week, which was kind of interesting. I'm not sure why. Seventeenth last year at, at this oh, event. Yeah. Okay, we'll take that. And then um, next two guys you you've heard already. K H Lee just got guys won here twice. I'm just taking him. He off coming off of the top ten as well. It, I expect him to have another top 10. I don't think he's going to three-peat at this golf course, but I think he's just going to play well, $9,300. And then I have um, Tom Kim as well as UJ, uh, $9,600. And this is a pretty decent course fit for him. And and he can put the boobs off the ball and he'll make yeah. a bunch of birdies this week. So I mean, that's putting. If you're putting the boobs off of it, you're putting. That's putting. That's putting. And that's what he does, and he drives it well. And all, you know, he's a pretty solid player. All the, really, solid. the only the only weakness that he has is just doesn't hit it very far. Correct. But you guys are confusing dimples for nipples. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe so, so. There you go. There's there's our squads. We got a lot of the same picks, so it's only going to rely on a couple to kind of determine this week's 
this week's winner. And um, unless you guys have anything else, that's it for me. Oh, I'll, I'm going to say this. We got, we got a big project on the way in the Moroni household. Big projects coming up. Details to come. Um, I'm excited. Is it, a, is, it a, is it a putting green in the backyard? I cannot. I can either. Uh, I cannot Can't confirm nor deny. Nor, nor deny that. There you go. I'm just going to get that out. But I like uh, that. I like that. Now, the only last thing I wanted to cover. Have you guys seen some of these Babe Ruth stats? <laughs> so good. So good. The greatest. The yeah. greatest. Uh, the, uh, the great Bambino. Slugging bourbon and hot dogs. I, I, that's what I love about it even more is that he and just then, beat the brakes off of everybody and was just yeah. and then it took a firefighter drinking. yard. <laughs> the guy had to go work the night shift at the at the fire station after the game. The, <laughs> the other guy went to go fix some toilets. Respect. <laughs> Those real athletes. Real athletes. I worked a full 40 hours a week and then played baseball at night. Love it. Just are you just mad that he didn't stay with the with the the damn Red Sox? No, I'm not. I just kind of like argue, I just kind of like arguing with you guys. Really, the more greatest so than my baseball patron. player of all time could have been a lifelong Red Sox, but he ended up being a Yankee, which probably yeah. But we had to we bit. had to sell him so the owner could fund his play. <laughs> That's fantastic. <laughs> true, true fact. True fact. Awesome. What was the name? What was the name of that play? Um, God, Tom Yaki sold them to fund like Nanu Nanette or something like that. It was called. It was a play. I can't believe I remember that, but look at <laughs> look it up. Someone fact check me there. But no, I mean, part part of it is because he was a Yankee. Part of it is because I like disagreeing with you guys. That's fun. <laughs> and it was the twenties. So, like, what kind of athletes are we talking about here? So, I mean, I mean, great athlete, the greatest baseball player ever that's who we're talking about i mean he had 60 home runs one yeah, year and yeah, the yeah, next yeah. closest guy was like 20 damn you mclean for bringing up this guy's name <laughs> i have my big wooden spoon here baby <laughs> big wooden spoon all right before i mute you guys that's it for us this week thank you for tuning in jay i'll see you on the golf course tomorrow all Cheer. right later